Psalm 139 in verse 13. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book. They were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Well, today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And there are demonstrations around our country that are standing up for the sanctity of human life and trying to put an end to abortion. As we look at that, I want to consider that this morning because it is a very important subject within our day. When we look at abortion, we're looking at ending a pregnancy. And the issue comes down to whether it's an issue of a right to life. Is it about that infant's right to uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as the rest of us have? Or is it about the right of a woman to be able to do what she wants to do with her body? And we're going to look at both of those things as we go through this this morning. But let's just take a moment just to recognize the enormity or the importance of the subject. First of all, I'd like to start by saying that in no way do I see the infant in the womb the only victim in this situation. I think that women are also victimized in the situation as, as well. And many women today go through the rest of their life dealing with inordinate amounts of guilt and struggles that they wouldn't have had otherwise as they have experienced abortion. At the same time, I look at this and I realize that the death toll has surpassed wars. In fact, you can take multiple wars and put them together. Most of the wars of the 20th century do not equal the death toll altogether that abortion is climbed to. From 1973, when Roe v. Wade was brought into law, the death toll in the abortion industry is over 60 million people. When we look at the horrors of the Holocaust and Auschwitz, and you can go visit those places in the gas chambers, and they leave those things as a memorial so that this never happens again, right? Well, in trying to come up with how many people were killed in the Holocaust, but the best that they can figure is that they've killed upwards toward somewhere around 6 million Jewish people. So 6 million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. Well, if the baby within the womb is a human being, a human person, then this is a Holocaust that has taken 10 times the amount of life that the Jewish Holocaust or the German Holocaust took. And so as we look at that, this issue this morning, this is phenomenal. If, if that life within the womb, if that is a human person inside that womb, and that's what we're going to consider today is whether it is, if that life within the womb is a human person, then every abortion clinic should be shut down and left as a memorial so that this never happens again because it has taken 10 times the life of the Holocaust. Well, as we consider this, we're going to consider it from three different angles. As we're going to, we're going to look at two subjects, and the subjects that we're going to look at is the sanctity of life, is life sacred, human life sacred, and we're going to look at the rights of the mother. And we're going to deal with both of those issues. In each of those issues, we're going to look at it from three different lenses. We're going to look at it from the lens of Scripture. What does the biblical authority say on it? We're going to look at it through the lens of science. What is science? What evidence does science bring to us in this manner? And we're going to look at it through the evidence of human government. Because that's where, when we look at government, that touches upon the issue. And that is actually where policies are put in place that deal with this issue as well. 
I would like to start by recognizing that all those authorities are not on equal level. Scripture, of course, is going to have the ultimate authority because it is spoken by God. Science would have a measure of authority because it is God's revelation as well, but it's his, his natural revelation as compared to his special revelation. So the special revelation of God where God tells us how to think about it, that gets ultimate authority. Science also bears that up. Because the natural revelation and the special revelation do not contradict. And so we will look at both. When we get to the uh, government, now we enter into a different realm. Government does not always get it right. Because something is legally right does not always mean that it is ethically right or that it is morally right. For a good example of this, I would just point back to our country's history on slavery. You know, on slavery, when we look back to compare these two issues, slavery and abortion, we would look back to two different court cases. We'd look back to the Dred Scott decision, and we look to the Roe versus Wade decision. And they're actually very similar. In the Dred Scott decision, that decision rendered slavery legal. That decision was made with seven of our Supreme Court justices voting in favor of allowing slavery, only two of them opposing it. It also declared that blacks were non-persons. It said that blacks were the property of their owners, and that abolitionists should not impose their morality on the slave owners. Well, if we look at abortion in the Roe versus Wade decision, we find it to be very similar. We find that abortion is legal. We find that, it, again, it was passed with a 7 to 2 margin. We find also that it declared that unborn children are non-persons. It also declared that unborn are the property of their owner or their mothers. And because of that, pro-lifers should not impose their morality on the mother. Let me just uh, stop, focus on that for just a moment. It's a common statement for people to say in a subject like this that you cannot legislate morality. That morality is exactly what you do legislate. It is what you do legislate. The laws are put in place to say you should not, you are not allowed to do this because it is wrong. In other words, it is immoral. We have laws against murder because it is morally wrong to commit murder. We have laws against theft because it is morally wrong to take something that's not yours. We have laws against slander and libel because it's wrong to lie about other people. Morality is exactly what you do legislate. You do have to recognize that some things are right and some things are wrong. We have to have to come to some kind of a common understanding of that. The title of the message as I look at it this morning, I, I, I labeled it after something else. It's called The Silent Scream. And the reason that I did that is years ago, there was an abortion doctor and an abortion advocate. It's the same person. And this abortion doctor with the new technology of ultrasound decided to film through ultrasound, one of his abortions. And so they performed an abortion and filmed, videoed that abortion. After completing the film, that abortion doctor left the abortion industry and became a pro-life advocate because of what he saw taking place within the video. You can watch the video online. It's not fun, but it is helpful. I think anybody questioning this ought to watch this video. Within this video, you see this infant in the womb, and when the instruments start to come into the womb, start to invade its territory, it starts to move away. It retreats away from the invader. And as the tools begin to take a hold of that infant and dismember it, you see the mouth, you, you can almost hear it, the scream, the, the, its mouth and its face contorts, and it, it just looks like an adult screaming. 
If that was happening to adult, and, and what would you be doing if they began to dismember you while you're wide awake? That's exactly what it looks like on this infant's face within the womb. And you can see it through the ultrasound in this video. And the guy that made this film entitled that film The Silent Scream because he said, I could see the scream that I'd never been able to hear before. And he became a huge pro-life advocate. Before that, he was a huge abortion. He was a leading abortion advocate. And it completely changed his life because that's exactly what's happening. We have a Holocaust that's happening around us, but the point is you, you don't see it. It's, all, it's underneath. It's in the womb of the mother. You can't see it happening. You can't hear it happening. And so just like Nazi Germany, for a long time, normal citizens turned a blind eye to what was going on because they couldn't see it. Other nations of the world turned a blind eye to what was going on because they refused to look. In our day, with the technology that's here, we can see it now. But most people just refuse to look. And it's something that should definitely come to an end. Well, let's get into our subjects here, shall we? The first one is dealing with the sanctity of human life because if human life is sacred if it is important then that would argue to protect this life and and let's also consider this morning with the subject that we're looking at is that fetus which is just a latin phrase uh, means little one so if that little one in the womb is a human life is a human person then killing that is murder if it's not well then then it's not i guess but let's recognize this at least can we since we are dealing with human life or at least a potential human life where does the burden of proof lie is that child able to be killed until we prove that it is a child or should it not be able to be killed until they prove that it isn't? It's an important distinction. But it seems to me in order to take that life, you have to be able to prove beyond any shadow of any doubt that that's not a life, that it's not a human being. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. The sanctity of human life. Well, first of all, biblically. Biblically, the sanctity of human life is seen very clearly at the very beginning of the Bible. We look at Genesis chapter 1 and see the creation of man. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. And so we see mankind has a dignity. There's something different about mankind that separates mankind from the animals. And what is it? It's the image of God. That's why when we get to Genesis chapter 9, after sin entered into the world, and then we began to experience violence, and we began to experience murder. I think of, of Adam and Eve's sons where Cain rose up and slew his brother Abel. And the world began to become more and more corrupt and more and more violent. Then after the flood, after God destroyed the world because of their violence, and he starts over with Noah and his family, God institutes capital punishment. He says, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. You see, the point that he's making is human life is so sacred because it's made in the image of God that the taking of that life has to meet the harshest penalty that we have available to us. That if you take another human life, your life must be the price. It's not limited to that. In James chapter 3, it talks about how we speak. It says, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. How we speak about other people should be gracious. It should be kind because that person is made in the image of God. And so we need to be careful 
not only that we don't take somebody else's life, but we need to treat people with dignity and respect because they're made in the image of God. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, Jesus tells them, he says, look, you've heard in the law, you've heard that it says, do not kill. Jesus says, I tell you, not only do not kill, do not be angry against them without a cause. Do not call them a fool. Be careful how you treat one another because there's a dignity to people. There's a sanctity. There's a sacredness to human life. We see that that sanctity is looked at in the Bible as not only being outside the womb or after birth, but inside the womb. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah is just one example. There's others in the Bible where we see God, uh, the passages like we read in Psalm 139, where it talks about God knowing them before they're born. God superintending their being knit together in their mother's womb. An intimacy that God would share of knowing them while they're yet unborn. Let's look at it not only biblically, but scientifically. Well, one of the things that we find scientifically is we study around this world, and we like in the area of anthropology. Anthropology is a look at human behavior uh, throughout the world. And one of the things that we find is that this is knit into us. I'm, I'm not saying that uh, every society throughout the world is, is pro-life. That's not in the sense of uh, the abortion issue. But what I am saying is that every society in the world that we, f- we can find establishes rules that protect life. In every society throughout the world, doesn't matter what religions they have or whether they have a religion or not, Every society throughout the world has a written and unwritten code within themselves that recognizes the importance of life and the importance of protecting it. You know, look what happens even within our own politics. People can be enemies politically and they can be fighting back and forth. Uh, One person has a tragedy and everybody's focused on that tragedy and it doesn't matter what your politics are. Every society throughout the world recognizes the importance of human life. It has always amazed me that we can have this kind of a double standard in there. If somebody goes into a premature labor, they will spare no expense to save that life of that infant in the womb, to protect that life and to bring it to a healthy birth. And at the same time, we will end any pregnancy violently. I don't understand the hypocrisy of it there. It boils down to only one thing. This one's wanted and this one's not wanted. This one's convenient. This one's not convenient. That's really what it comes down to. And life is way too of an important of an issue to let it come down to a matter of convenience. I once knew an individual that his ex-wife had gotten pregnant and she was pregnant with twins and she didn't want twins. She only wanted one, so she had them both aborted so she could start over. That is incredible. That's not healthy family planning. If you look at the founding of our nation, there were documents that our forefathers referenced and individuals that they referenced and looked to for guidance on establishing this new country. Uh, If you look and see who they quoted the most, they quoted the Bible most, actually. And then secondly, under the Bible, they quoted this philosopher named John Locke. John Locke spoke of the law of nature, which teaches us that being an all equal and independent, no one ought to harm another in his life, health, liberty, or possessions. For men being all the workmanship of one omnipotent and wise maker. And he just pointed out that, you know what, within all of humanity, there's this law that we all recognize on the inside, we recognize that it's wrong to take somebody else's life. It's wrong to take somebody else's liberty. It's wrong to take somebody else's possessions. It's just obvious 
In fact, when we get into this next part of the issue with looking at it through the lens of government, our government recognized that. In our Constitution, it starts out, we hold these truths to be self-evident, which means they don't really have to be proved. They're just self-evident. They're just obvious to everybody, naturally so. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are inalienable rights, things that are just part of being human because we're made in the image of God. Our 14th Amendment also ratified the same thing. It says, Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, or deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the law. And this is where our government really dropped the ball. When they were looking at Roe versus Wade, they decided that they did not need to determine whether life uh, started in the womb or not. Now remember, this is back in 1973, so we've got a lot more technology available to us today. But they decided they didn't need to decide whether life started in the womb or not, or whether it was a person within the womb, but they focused the change to the mother's rights and a right to privacy, something you don't actually find in the Constitution, although I would admit that the right to privacy is an important right. In the 14th Amendment, it said that you cannot take the life of an American citizen without due process of law. In other words, they got to be found guilty of something that they should be put to death for. You cannot take their property. You cannot take their, their health. You cannot affect them in these ways. But they decided that that infant, even though unborn children at that time, were commonly in our society referred to as babies. There were a whole host of reasons why that they should be under this uh, protection of the 14th Amendment. The courts decided not to protect the unborn with the 14th Amendment, but only those who were born. Even the judges in Roe v. Wade, even the ones that voted for it, said that they find it personally offensive. It says some of us as individuals find abortion offensive to our most basic principles of morality, but that cannot control our decision. Our obligation is to define the liberty of all, not mandate our own moral code. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. That statement to me coming from a judge is astounding. We've decided that everybody else has the freedom to define existence. You realize what that's saying? You can murder anybody with that argument. That is a crazy decision. I don't understand it. Now in our society, in the last 10 years, they tell us that 10% more of the people are now pro-life that used to be pro-choice. And they say the reason for that is technology. Because with uh, greater ultrasounds and these kind of things, you, who am I going to believe? You are my lying eyes. Right? For years, the abortion industry has been telling us that child in the womb is not an individual. It's a tissue. It's just a lump of tissue that's got to be removed from the mother's body to get rid of this inconvenience. And we now know that that is absolutely not true. But what they did was they turned the focus and said, you know what, I'm personally against it. And I don't know how many people that I've talked to that have told me exactly the same thing. You know what, I'm personally against abortion. I would never do it. But I can't tell them not to do it. Really, what if that child was a week old? If that child was a week old and they wanted to kill their baby, would you tell them not to do it? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. What's the difference a week this way or a couple weeks that way? You know, it's just it's amazing. But they did. They focused it on human rights. They made it made it that issue that you know what it's not about that. It's about the it's about freedom. It's about liberty. The liberty to choose your own destiny here. The liberty for a woman to do what she wants with her own body. And women do have a right to do what they want with their own body. They should never be attacked or abused. They should never be raped. They should never be. They, they definitely have liberties within their own body. But there's another issue to consider here along with this. So as we look at a woman's right to her own body, first let's look biblically. 
Biblically, as we look at it in Luke chapter 1, verses 44, it says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And Elizabeth says, The baby within me leaped for joy when she heard your voice. The baby inside of her responded to the Messiah, who he's going to be the forerunner for. And so what that shows is an individuality. It shows that that baby made an action based on the presence of Mary. He did that independently of Elizabeth. So what I'm saying is that that baby is a different person than Elizabeth is. In Exodus chapter 21, in verse 22 through 25, it says, When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as a woman's husband shall impose on him. And he shall pay as the judges determined. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Notice that the child inside the womb is protected by the law of God. It's the same price you pay if you harm the mom. If they hurt an individual, if you hurt another adult, it was eye for eye, tooth for tooth, burn for burn. But now if you hurt that infant that's still in the womb, it's eye for eye, tooth for tooth, wound for wound. And so we see that scripturally, God recognizes that life inside the womb as a life to be protected with the same rights as somebody outside the womb. What about scientifically? We're too far in our technology to deny that that's a life in there and that it's human life. Professional after professional makes statements on it. I'll give you a quote of just a few of them. Um, Dr. Micheline uh, Matthew Roth, he's from Harvard University. In biology and in medicine, it is an accepted fact that the life of any individual organism produced by sexual reproduction begins at conception or fertilization. French geneticist Jerome Lejeune said to accept the fact that after fertilization has taken place, a new human has come into being is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. The human nature of the human being from conception to old age is not a metaphysical contention. It is plain experimental evidence. Jaime Gordon, professor of medical genetics, says, but now we can say unequivocally that the question of when life begins is no longer a question for theological or philosophical dispute. It is an established scientific fact Theologians and philosophers may go on to debate the meaning of life or the purpose of life, but it is an established fact that all life, including human life, begins at the moment of conception. This issue of a woman can do what she wants with her own body, I agree with that to an extent, right? But don't we already limit the rights of what we can do with our bodies? If I cause too much trouble in our society because of an addiction that I have, they will incarcerate me and force me to go through treatment to settle this addiction. Now, wait a minute. I have the right to do what I want with my own body. No, you don't. What if I want to use my body as a weapon against somebody else's body? I don't have the right to do that with my own body either. We used to always say you got the right to swing your hand anywhere you want to until it comes to the end of my nose. Then you no longer have the right to do whatever you want with your body. And so we already have limits upon our bodies when you're not allowed to take up arms and kill somebody else. You're not allowed to murder. And so there's already limits. So to say a woman has a right to do what she wants with her own body, I would have to say to an extent. But all of us have limits on what we can do with our bodies. The question is, is that child is within her body, part of her body? And scientifically, we have come to the point where we can unequivocally say no. At the moment of conception, a completely different genetic makeup is present within that baby. He is now a unique individual. He has a different genetic code than that 
mother. If you take a genetic fingerprint from a mother and a genetic fingerprint from the child within her womb, it will show that these are two different people genetically. The child often has a different blood type than the mother. Half the time it's a different sex than the mother. If you've got a mother and you've got within her somebody with its own genetic makeup that is already complete at the moment of conception, you're not going to add any more genes to the gene pool after that. It is its own genetic makeup. It's a different sex than the mother, different blood type than the mother. Then how is this just a piece of tissue of the mother? And things begin to develop rather rapidly. By 18 days, there's the heartbeat and the feeling of pain. You can watch the child on ultrasound react to foreign pressures and things. Very quickly, fingerprints, fingernails. They might be the size of your thumbnail, but there's a tiny little person in there. If you're going to say, where, where, can, where are we allowed to kill this? We can't kill it. We can't kill it after birth. If they can live on their own in this third trimester, if they're born premature, then where do we cut it off? Do we, do we cut it off where they get brain waves? Do we cut it off where they get a heartbeat? If there's no heartbeat yet, then we can kill them before that. You know, the next obvious, when you look at the delineations of science, there's an obvious change at birth. And there's an obvious change at conception. And then there's all these little ones. The heartbeats, the fingerprints, the feeling of pain, the brain waves, those kinds of things. Now, let me ask you this. Just frame it in a little bit different way. Let's just put it in a different body. Let's say you've got somebody in a coma. And this person is in a coma. And you've got a machine that's pumping their heart. You've got a machine that's helping them breathe. And they've got no brain waves. Do you unplug them? But let's add one more equation. Let's say that you know that in three or four months that this person is going to start breathing on his own, his heart's going to pump on his own, his brain waves are going to come back, and he's going to be completely healthy. Do you unplug the machine? Nobody would vote to un unplug that machine. But that's exactly what they're doing with abortion. Science has de declared this is life from the moment of conception. It's life and it's human life. We don't know a lot about it other than that. But when does its personality start to develop and those kinds of things? We don't know. We do know at a pretty early age they're in there sucking their thumb. That shows something. But if we try to make these arbitrary points within the pregnancy where we feel that we can cut that life off, then they're just that. They're just arbitrary points. That child inside the womb, it doesn't need anything different than a child outside the womb needs. It needs food. It needs air. It needs time. Well, let's look at it lastly, governmentally. Governmentally, as we consider this woman's right to her to her body, it kind of runs along the same lines as we think about it with the Bible. The Bible we saw gives equal protection for the infant in, within the womb as it does for the pregnant mother. Uh, you know what? Our society does the same thing. As we look back in, uh, in 2004, signed by President Bush and ratified in 38 states, it made this statement, whoever engages in conduct that violates any of the provisions of law listed in subsection B and thereby causes the death of or bodily injury, as defined by section 1365, to a child who is in utero at the time the conduct takes place, is guilty of a separate offense under this section. Except as otherwise provided in this paragraph, the punishment for that separate offense is the same as the punishment provided under federal law for that conduct had the injury or death occurred to the unborn child's mother. Somebody does something that causes an injury to a child that is in the womb, then that is a separate offense other than what is already being charged for whatever you did to the mother. And that separate offense will also carry the same weight of penalty as what the mother's rights were as well. And we've seen it take place. You, know, you remember um, uh, in California several years ago, remember uh, Scott Peterson? 
think it was, it was a Scott and Lacey Peterson, I think were their names. Lacey Peterson turned up missing. Scott's acting kind of weird, and this whole saga started unfolding on TV. When that guy, they found that he put his wife, who was pregnant with his child, to death when he killed her, they charged him with not one count of murder. They charged him with two. One for the wife, one for the child. You know, when you think about it, if he didn't kill her, but he and her together decided to go kill the child, they might have been able to get government funding for that. But him to take the matters in his own hands, killing his wife, it also killed the child. Now he's a murderer. Why is he a murderer in taking the child's life that way, but not by taking him down, his wife down to a clinic? The Bible makes it very clear that human life is sacred. There is a sanctity to human life because it is made in the image of God. Therefore, it should be protected. And that life begins within the womb. Scientific revelation also backs that up. We see through the modern technology that we can see that that is definitely a life within that womb. Governmentally, our government has been mixed. In the late 1800s, I think it was, abortion was legal in this country. And then our legislature decided that it was harmful to women. And so they got rid of abortion. They made it illegal. And then they made it legal again with Roe versus Wade. Our country has been back and forth on this issue. And right now doesn't seem to be consistent at all within the laws that regulate these things. Biblically, it's wrong. Scientifically, it's wrong. Governmentally, at the moment, it's a right. But it is not morally right. 